options, choices, and we get and we live ladies and gentlemen welcome to down in the basement podcast where we talk about what goes down every week today we actually have a very special guest on this episode we have ish Verduzco. Did I Let's pronounce go. that correct? Yeah, you said it perfectly. Nice job. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> one, of the few, one of the few that get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Latinos represent out here. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Uh, uh, with us today is also, of course, Simon. Hey, what's up, guys? And we also have Elizabeth. Hey, guys. And then joining us, we also have Anthony Boom Boom Garcia. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. So, welcome, first of all, to the basement. Uh, we unfortunately can't be in the basement because we are unfortunately having to rem uh, to record remotely due to corona. But we do, you know, we work with what we got. And we're here, and I'm glad to have you, man. Thank uh, you so much. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I mean, it would be dope if, it was, if we were there in person having some micheladas. In the basement, Oof. you know, recording, but uh, we make it work. What we got. Ish knows the vibes. <laughs> this man knows what's up. He'd fit in perfectly. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Ish? Yeah, of course. So uh, my name is Ishmael Verduzco the Third. Um, I was born and raised in Los Angeles in Southern California. So I moved around a ton growing up, and uh, went to high school out in the Inland Empire. And I went to college at UC Merced. It's a really small, small school in the Central Valley. Um, and I guess fast forward to now, I work at Snapchat. Uh, I used to work at LinkedIn. Um, as, as you heard, as you know, I'm a Latino. So very proud of my heritage. Always repping for my people. Let's and, go. Uh, some stuff that I guess is, I, I mean, everybody knows it, but like it's not like the usual stuff is I have a podcast as well. I wrote a book. I'm a DJ. So I, I like to stay very active. I like to, to do a Man lot of, of things. Man of many hats. <laughs> and I like to work out. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing 300 workouts this year, which is kind of a fun little challenge. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk, and I'm, I'm an open book, so feel free to ask whatever y'all want. Damn, he threw out the pun early. You see that? <laughs> I like it. Very nice. <laughs> he's a man of many hats, and they're custom because, custom. Uh, as you can see right now, he's getting it done. That's yeah. what's up, dude. I respect that. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. You, you do have a lot going on. Um, and just like a quick little background, the way I found out about you was I had, so Anthony actually went to Merced to, to school with you and I ended up going to visit and. Was I DJing through, one night? <laughs> what's up? Was I DJing one night? <laughs> uh, yeah, I believe like there, there was a point where like we went to like a house party or, you know, Merced is all about like just functions and like just having a good time out there. And, um, yeah, I ended up meeting you through, through another uh, mutual friend of ours who's actually been on this podcast, Robbie, oh, yeah. shout out to Robbie. Um, and yeah, I just remember him just saying, you know, it's just a really cool dude. He gets like, you know, he's just a very productive dude. He's really on his stuff, like great work ethic. And then I just decided to start following you and man to... To just see you now, like putting in work, like writing a book, man. I was just like, bro, this guy's, this guy's really about that work. You hey, know what I mean? Yep. Thank you. And, Appreciate it. 
And it's just, yeah, just hearing about, like, I honestly can't wait to read it just because I'm really into self-development. And uh, I know that one of the main reasons why you wrote this book was because you were reading, you read about 45 self-development books last year, right? Mm-hmm, 45. And, and uh, first of all, I just want to say, like, what kind of what kind of self-development are you into? Like, what books did you read that were maybe some of your favorites, maybe, like, some of your favorite authors? Like, yeah. what interested you? Yeah, man. So everything. Uh, the book that actually started this entire, like, learning journey was a book called Smart Cuts by Shane Snow. I literally recommend that book to everybody. It's not even, like, a super all that well-known book, but it's one of those books that it changes the way you think of every aspect of your life moving forward. And so like, like rewind a little bit back to what is this like maybe four or five years ago, um, which is when I kind of went down this rabbit hole of like learning a ton. And prior to that, like in college, in high school, in elementary school, middle school, I was never the, the, like the super scholarly kid, you know, like I got good grades because it was what we were supposed to do is because mm-hmm. like, um, you know, being like in Latino household, they, they teach you upward mobility to education. So you're told you have to get good grades. Um, you have to somehow like do better than we did. So I did what I had to do, got good grades, but school, school was never easy for me. You know, it, I always had, felt like I had to put in twice the amount of work to get mediocre grades you know like b pluses b's while everybody else was like skating away with a minuses and stuff um so but then when i read this book and keep in mind like i didn't read books like in college i didn't i didn't really read the books that we were supposed to in high school like all these books that you were supposed to read like i didn't really read them i like skimmed through them i would try to like summarize the chapters or find like cliff notes of them so then when i when i read this book called smart cuts it like opened up my mind. I was like, wow, there's like another world out there of, of content and, and learning that I'm missing out on, you know, like, like just because I didn't like history and I didn't like, uh, I don't know, like science and biology doesn't mean I won't like other things. Like it it basically opened my eyes up into like, I can now learn and choose what I want to learn for for once in my life. Nobody's dictating what I have to learn, you know? And so that, that book just opened my eyes. And then, after that, I was like, if this is this fun to learn, what else is there in the world, you know? And then I just started listening to podcasts. I got into like, this is probably like 2014, 15. I got into like Gary Vee. Um, and every, you know how Gary Vee used to do his show and he used to bring people on the show like every single day to ask Gary Vee show. Yeah. So then every single person he would bring on, they like a lot of them were authors or athletes, entrepreneurs. So then I started following them and re- listening to their podcasts and watching their interviews, reading their books. And then, um, yeah, it just, it just kept on progressing. And then I was like, all right, last year was my year of books. I was like, let's just learn as much as I can about every single aspect. Um, and some of the books that I read was like Grit by Angela Duckworth. is like Tim Ferriss, 4-Hour Workweek. Uh, like, the, the, uh, like Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, like just like the classics, you know. And then, and then there was... Uh, what what are some of the other ones that I'm I'm blanking on right now? Um, I mean, I could I can send you guys a list, or I can you can actually check out the blog post that I have. It's like all the 45 of my top 10, um, yeah. which, which I included on LinkedIn. But mm-hmm. throughout all of that learning, then I was I started realizing like, yo, none of these authors are people of color. Yeah. Like, where where are all the people of color at? These they're literally all like white male authors. And out of the 45 books that I read. 
three of them were people of color and one of them was david goggins and that one wasn't even like a self-development book it was more about like just like being on your grind and like molding yourself to be like yeah, one of my favorite author. books man so then yeah. yeah so then so then i was like then that's when it started clicking i was like shit i gotta write something for my people and like rep for my people because it's one thing to like read and learn from somebody it's another thing to like read and learn from somebody who you relate to you know mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how this journey began um yeah oh that's cool yeah. you actually uh, brought up like a, a point like for me specifically like i never really was somebody who just wanted to like history math science but like one thing that you'll never get tired of learning about is yourself and kind of yeah. like you know getting deeper into that that's a really really solid point that was, that was said really early yeah i agree 100 percent so you talked a lot about representation and trying to be that representation for your people, right? For Latinos, for myself, where we don't really see a lot of us, you know, people of color in certain spaces. So why was it even more important for you to make sure that people are represented? Uh, because I know what it feels like to, to be the underdog and to be overlooked and overshadowed all the time in every aspect, you know, like when you think about, um, like we, we didn't grow up in like poverty. We had enough to get by. We live for a short time, time frame, like on WIC and like support from, from things like, uh, I don't know, like government support, you know, but, but we didn't have a lot. So when you grow up in that, in an environment where you're constantly living in like apartments or moving around because your parents are trying to find a better area for you and trying to, have a go to have you go to better schools and such you always feel like you're underrepresented so like my entire life i i felt like that even now i work in tech where the industry average is like four percent five percent for latinos five percent for latinos that means that in a room of a hundred people there might be a couple of other people that talk and look like you and come from similar backgrounds you know so so like i know what it feels like to be on the other end and i wanted to like represent for for everybody not just latinos not just black people like people from all different backgrounds and i figured a book was a good way to do it a podcast is a good way to do it social media is a good way to do it videos is a good way to do it like i want to be able to use every medium that i can to reach these people wherever they feel most comfortable some people are not going to like be book readers but i'm going to turn that book into 200 pieces of content so that they still find value from it you know what i mean yeah so ish you you mentioned you talked a lot about re- representation especially latinos um and honestly i respect that especially that you work in tech right now you work at snap right yep that's awesome bro and considering that there's only what like less than 10 percent of latinos in tech that's yeah. actually something that it's I like around really, five or six percent. <laughs> yeah, it's it's around there. And honestly, like that's kind of one of my passions that that I see as like one of my life missions. It's like getting that number up, you know, getting more of our of, of our raza represented in technology, because with more diversity, you can definitely get some more creative outlooks, some more perspectives that are definitely needed in this world right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to ask you, what did you what did you major in in college? Uh, I started off as a mechanical engineering major, and then I quickly realized that, that I was only doing that because I uh, wanted to find a job that made me the most money. And then I <laughs> and then I flipped my career into uh, 
to be a uh, like management major, and then I minored in sociology because I love studying people and cultures and society. So interesting. Yeah. I kind of went the same route. I did mechanical because I wanted the cash, but mostly because all my parents would be like, "Is tienes que ser ingeniero?" You know exactly. what I mean? You gotta be, you gotta be an engineer or a doctor or what else did we come here for? Right? Exactly. I'm crossing borders. <laughs> I want you to do some. You know what I mean? Exactly. But, but it's so different once you actually start. Personally, I just hated physics. That thing was way too hard for me, man. I was, like, forcing myself way too much. I was like, mm-mm. But so you went with sociology. You graduated with sociology. What kind of got your foot into the door with these tech companies? And, like, how did you start your tech career? Yeah, so I, I actually got my, my bachelor's in uh, management, like business management, basically. Okay. And then minored in social. But uh, when I graduated, I, I actually couldn't find a job. It, uh, it, uh, it took me a while. Like I, my senior year that December, we graduated in like June. That, that December all the way through June or whenever the month was, five, five or six months, I applied every single night. Like I applied to over 300 jobs and I didn't get any callbacks, like none at all. Like, I, I mean, I got a couple of emails back, but no interviews. And so when I graduated, like, and, and keep in mind, I was somebody that was extremely active at college. At UC Merced, I was like, yep. did multiple clubs and organizations. I like ran to schools, concerts and events. Like I had multiple internships, jobs and all this stuff. So like when I graduated and I couldn't find a job, I was like, what the hell do y'all offer me? <laughs> you did everything right. Like, yeah. yo, I'm sleeping like four hours a night working my ass off and I, and this is not good enough. Um, so it was pretty disheartening, but I ended up moving back in with my parents, putting my pride aside, uh, and uh, like moving back in. I, I ended up landing a job at Twenty Four Hour Fitness as like an assistant manager, um, just like working the front desk and helping to manage the people that were working the front desk as well. And then, but every single night, I knew I was like, "This is not what I want to do." Like when I was in college, I told one of my friends, Brian, I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna work at Snapchat one day." This is like my junior year. I'm gonna work at Snapchat one day. He's like, "What?" And he's like, people in like UC Merced, we don't work at tech companies. You know, this is at a time when we only had a couple of graduating like uh, classes before us. And those that graduated, they, they didn't work at the Facebooks and the Snapchats and the Twitters. You know, there was maybe two or three guys or, or girls that, that worked there. So when I said that, he was like, yo, that's, that's wild. And then my senior year, I was like, I'm going to work at LinkedIn. That was like my new company that I wanted to work for, for some reason. Um, and so when I when I was working at 24 Hour Fitness, every single night I would go home at like 6 p.m., 7 p.m., eat dinner, and then apply to jobs for two or three hours every single night. Um, but I had my eyes set on like in tech. Something about like tech has always attracted me. I think it's like the scale, being able to operate at scale, be able to impact at scale. Um, and then basically like a, a contract job at LinkedIn opened up and I saw it and I was like, I need this job. I need to figure out how the heck I'm going to get it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I need it. And I... And I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work. So I'll, I'll condense the story because it is pretty pretty lengthy. But uh, one of my friends, Kevin Ali Busan, who went to UC Merced with me, was working there at LinkedIn as a recruiting coordinator, as, as a contractor. And so I hit him up, and I hit him up, and I hit him up. I kept hitting him up every single day, like, "Yo, Kev, put me on the phone with this manager. Put me on the phone with this person. Like, I want to get this at least at least live, give me a chance, you know." And so finally, I don't know how I convinced him to put me on the phone with the hiring manager, the person that was hiring for the role, which was ended up being his boss which is kind of ballsy for like a 22 year old, you know? And uh, I convinced her to let me come on site and interview. 
I was like, hey, I think I, I have what it takes to do well in this role. Uh, I drive up that night from LA to SF. I, inter- wow. I interviewed the day after, the, not the day after, but she ends up giving me an extra day to like prepare. So I interviewed that Friday. Uh, I did everything I could. And then I get a call at 5 p.m. that day from her saying like, hey, so uh, turns out we, we gave the role to somebody else who had more experience. Nice. No. Like, but but you showed so much passion in the role that we're going to open up a contract role for you and I, was like, oh, I was like what this does not happen you know like this is crazy so uh that's how that's how i got into tech they opened up the role and then it was a contract job so that means basically like you have a contract for a year you work that year and then your contract's done but at my 10 months of, of working there they converted me to full-time and then i got like two different jobs after that at linkedin and now i'm at snap so it's not a traditional journey, you know, like a lot of people that I work with at LinkedIn or at Snap, it's like, like when you ask them, how'd you get your job? It's like, well, you know, I was on LinkedIn one day and then a recruiter just hit me up and then I got the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not like my story, like it's, but it, but it's also very uh, representative of, of like people like us, you know, it's like we have to claw sometimes just to get an opportunity but when we get that opportunity we prove ourselves and we show ourselves that we are worthy and we're just as good if not like more more capable of doing a great job um so yeah it's a it was a journey and it has been so far but it's been fun it's always the ones that are hungry that work hardest huh yep you already know what a story oh my god what was it about linkedin and snapchat that really attracted you that said that's where I want to work. Yeah, so I've always been attracted to social media companies specifically. Yeah. Um, ever since like AOL Instant Messenger, I mean, that's not social media, but it was like, <laughs> it was an ability to like connect with people, you know, like AOL AIM. And I had it on my sidekick and I had it on my singular phone back in the days before at and And like- Damn, he's it- taking it back. He's talking about <laughs> AIM and I'm, I'm over here like, what? You talking about Batman? No, he's talking about that tech back in the day. Forget an iPhone. We had a little- Flip. <laughs> <laughs> no but it was like dope you know it was like the the first uh, the first way that we were able to connect with people that that we uh that we met in person and take that relationship online and like and like chat it was like it was crazy and oh, then yeah. and then myspace came out and then i was like what is this this is sick or myspace probably came first and then aim or i don't know what the, what the order was but but from there, then it was like Twitter, then it was like Tumblr, then it was Facebook, then it was LinkedIn, Snap, so and then Instagram, of course. But I, I found it like I was fascinated by the ability to be able to connect with people. And then, like I mentioned, I grew up moving a lot. Like I moved, mm-hmm. I think, 12 times by the time I hit high school, 12 different places Damn. I lived in. I went to tons of different like middle schools and elementary schools. So like I was always a new kid on the block. So I, I, I always had to like was uh i always had to make new friends yeah. wherever i went but then it sucked when you make these group of friends and then you have to like leave your friends and find a new group of friends you know so so i think that was a piece of social media that i really was attracted to is like oh i can meet friends connect with them online and continue like nurturing that relationship and then meet new friends and then my network just keeps growing and i can still be in like distant contact with my friends so then when i realized that like yo these tech companies have have people that work there like for some reason i thought it was just like two guys in like a basement somewhere that worked at these tech companies but then i was like what like facebook and linkedin and snap they hire people then it was just like all right i, I gotta figure out how they have to get there i don't know how i'm gonna do it but i'll figure it out 
Get you free food, get you snacks, <laughs> yeah. get you everything, dude. Working for tech is lit. Yeah, it is. Honestly. It really is. They work. It's a lot of hard work. I will say that. It's extremely hard work, but it is rewarding and they treat you well. I, I, sorry, go ahead, Elizabeth. <laughs> it sounds like you kind of knew what the next thing was. Like you said, it was MySpace, it was AIM. You knew that, like, okay, I'm on to something that... There's something like instinctual, like you have something in you where you can kind of detect what the next big thing is. So, I think that, I mean, I don't know if I, I, I'm good at like detecting what the next big thing is, but I think I've become extremely, and I write about this in the book, it's actually the first chapter, uh, I've become extremely aware of my likes, my dislikes, what I'm good at, what I'm bad at, what makes me tick, what makes me super angry what makes me happy what makes me excited like what makes me work efficiently what i'm passionate about what i'm not passionate about so like i've dialed this in over like the past i don't know since like high school middle school and i think it comes with just being having my hand in so many different things you know and like each time i have my hand in something like i give it my all like i did i did swim in high school for a year but i was also a soccer player but i was also a football player and I was also in ASB, but I was also in like AP classes. So like, I, I like to do a lot of things, but whenever I would do one of them, I would try to figure out how do I do it as best as I could. And so I think when you have your hand in so many different things, or even just a couple of different things, you start to be able to see trends. And then you, you can like notice things like, oh, people rock. It's, it's like DJing, a perfect example. Mm. If, people, if people in this community rock with this music, Mm-hmm. I know they're gonna rock to this song, even though they don't know it. Like if yeah. they're grooving, if they're grooving to this, I know they're gonna like this. If they like this cumbia, I know they're gonna like this electro cumbia. If they if they like this track by Dioro, I know they're gonna like this. You know, um, yeah. it's it's very it's like it translates perfectly to like I guess real life mm-hmm. when when you're doing many different things or you're doing different projects and you're able to like start to notice things like oh, I like this project because of this particular piece. So I might like this next project because it has that same element and I'm able to practice these skills that I that I enjoy refining, you know? Mm-hmm. And then tech was just that underlying theme for me. It was like, well, I like operating at scale. I like social media companies because they have the ability to connect people. And then I like sharing content and information, again, at scale. So, like, they all had that. Mm. Yeah, what it sounds like is that you're a very analytical person and you also recognize patterns yeah like really well and and that makes sense as to why you're able to achieve in these types of mediums because tech is all about recognizing patterns right like myspace was blowing up but then facebook came out and it's like it was basically the same thing made a little bit better formal and it and it kicked off and then other social media just kind of bounce off of that. So tech is really all about patterns and then may just adapting to whatever's coming up. And it seems like, and you put it perfectly. I never thought about that. DJ is just DJing is just like that, right? Yeah. Getting to know your audience, getting to know your crowd, giving them what you might think they like. Mm-hmm. That's sick, man. I'm going to go be a DJ now. Straight <laughs> up. Life is a set. <laughs> After all this coronavirus stuff is done. <laughs> What I wanna, I, I, I want to talk about DJing because like how how did you first get into DJing? Uh, I got into DJing like late in high school, like my senior year. One of my uh, really close friends was a DJ. He DJed all the high school parties, um, and I was always like attracted to music. Uh, like again, being a Latino, we always had company. We always had like people over, 
and I just enjoyed like doing the sound setup and like putting music on like CDs and organizing them in a certain pattern or certain route so that after this song, this song would play and then people would dance. And then after that song, this song would play. So I, I just found it fun, like to be able to like uh, entertain people. And then so when my friend one day after soccer practice, I just said like, yo, can you like teach me how to spin? Or like, can I come over to your house for like an hour every day after practice and like just watch you? And then he was like, yeah, sure, of course. And then little by little, I picked it up. I learned. Um, I was I sucked at it. And then <laughs> went to college at Merced. And then that's kind of when it all took off is um, Merced providing me that platform of like, there's an audience that is, that is craving like to be entertained. There's nothing to do but like tip cows and go to school. And there's no DJs at the school. There's 4,000 people here. Literally like one or two DJs. None of them were throwing parties. Like, So then I, then I kind of just started like my own little like company little business of, of throwing events and parties of bringing people together um i mean anybody that went to you or said knows like i would throw events yeah. like three nights a week thursday i was there Friday, two times on saturdays some sometimes cases, yeah. three or four nights three or four times a week uh <laughs> well, after coronavirus you're having a party <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it just it just started off with like, hey, I, I'm interested in this. I got to figure out how to do it. What equipment do I need? I got to practice every single day, at least a couple hours a day, get better at it. Like I sucked a lot at the beginning. I still don't think I am where I need to be. But it's just like that, I guess, growth mindset. You know, it's like that term gets used so often. But I think when you actually put it into practice and like you literally tell yourself, I want to be better tomorrow than I am today because it's something that I'm passionate about then and knowing that you're never going to get end result like there's never going to be a i am the best at x y and z and then it just becomes more fun because every nice. single day you're just trying to get a little bit better oh, my god that's a good way to put it i love that uh like a overall message that you keep putting out and like it just keeps coming out through all your stories is that you you always reach out to people and even like when you got your job in tech, it was because you reached out to your network. You reached out to your homie. You were like, hey, put me on the phone. Put me on the phone. Um, learning how to spin. It was because you went up to your friend. And you you said it yourself. You had you moved a lot, so you had to make a lot of new friends everywhere that you went. And I feel like that's also a testament to your successes. You're, you're such a good networker, you know? Like, I see it through your following, through your podcast, how you were able to get, like, Taylor Offer on your podcast, you know? Um, what are like some of your tips or best advice for, you know, connecting with people and reaching out and, you know, professionally either, or just like, just casually just trying to learn how to like spin or something like that? Like, what would you say are your best advice for, for connecting with people and like making, building a relationship like that? Yeah, I have a couple of tips that come top of mind. Uh, the first is probably just to be like genuine in your outreach. So like, don't reach out to people with bad intentions or because you want to use them for X, Y, and Z. Like, even if it's for like a job interview, be genuine when you reach out, be straight up. Hey, I'm in the job market and you're in a role that I highly, highly respect. If you don't have a few minutes to talk on the phone, that's perfectly fine. But I would love to be in your network so I can follow your updates and just learn more about what it is that you do. Or, hey, so-and-so, I have a question here, here's my question. If you can just take 15 seconds out of your day to respond, it would mean the world to me because I look up to people like you for X, Y, and Z reason. Or if it's um, if you're just reaching out because you want to like network with more people, 
like having being extremely curious you know and like in sharing in sharing that when you're reaching out it's like why are you reaching out to me you're a random person like what, what is the reason behind that if you reach if you versus if you if you like reach out to me and you say like yo what's going on ish like i've i've seen your posts on on linkedin uh i think it's extremely like uh encouraging for somebody of my background of how you present yourself i would love to just like stay connected with you that's a whole different story than just like throwing a random like yo what's up let's connect you know so like yeah. throwing a little bit of flavor some personality being genuine being curious um and having like intent behind every message don't just like don't just be like half-assed and lazy you know like yep. throw a follow and then like a dm like yo yo what you know we ain't got time yeah yo life is too short for just yo we need yeah, a little context man. in there okay don't be wasting people's time like Absolutely. Be, be like short be to the point but at the same time add enough like context so that the person receiving the message is gonna like do something after they read the message you know mm. that's so true what don't you do here's like because <laughs> you you even like in high school you said that you you played multiple sto- uh, sports you were in student government you were in ap classes and then even in college you that's kind of when you started djing a little bit more what don't you do uh i don't do things that i'm not passionate about and that's like a cheesy answer that's one of those things that you see on a t-shirt or like you see on a quote thing but i really don't I mean, unless it's like family chores or like, or stuff that, like stuff that you have to do, you know, stuff that you have to do. But I don't waste my time doing shit that I don't want to do and I don't like to do. If if I if I have to work a job a nine to five, I'm gonna figure out a way to make it align with my interests. You know, if I'm gonna have to like spend every single weekend working on a project, I'm gonna make sure it's a project that I really enjoy doing. So I guess I, I just flip it and I'm like, well. Here's all the shit that I don't want to do. I'm not going to touch it. Um, like, I'll give you a couple of examples. I don't play video games. I don't watch sports. Um, and I used to be a big sports fan growing up. Like, I was a huge Broncos fan. I was a huge Lakers fan. I was a huge Dodgers fan. But oh, then yeah, I, re- yeah. I realized one day, I was like, yo, this is consuming my life. I'm, I'm spending three hours a night after, after soccer practice <laughs> watching Dodger games and then staying up until 2 a.m. trying to finish my homework, exhausted the next day in class. What am, what am I getting out of out of like watching so much so much sport because I like I'm just stressed out like in the last inning or the last quarter of the game and so then <laughs> I learned early on I started like realizing like I I don't want to spend time in anything that I don't that I'm not able to able to impact <laughs> the output mm. so like I can't influence whether the Lakers win or lose I can influence whether this book does well yeah I can influence the people that I have on my podcast by reaching out to multiple people and like developing a good show. I can't influence, um, like I don't gamble either. I can't influence like me just randomly throwing dice or um, playing video games. It's like, that's fun for a minute, but then what happens when you're like four hours deep playing video games and then mm-hmm. you're like pissed off that you didn't spend time on that project that you wanted to do or time flies by you know so i, I kind of just flip it i'm like all right what what is it that i don't like to do and then make a short list of things that i really enjoy doing and then work on that i love working out there's no, there's nothing like building yourself up you know i love working on projects that 
and I can operate at scale. A podcast is scalable. A book is scalable. Social media is scalable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I want to, I guess I want to, I know we've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, book release coming next week, I believe. Is it yep. how successful people get ish done? Um, 930 hours of research. I mean, you, you did your time. Um, and, and I know one thing that you said is that you want this to reach um, people like you. Um, and one thing that I read and I, I really kind of want like it, I wanted to get it a little bit more deep into it when you said you cut out all the fat and clearly outlined kind of like a seven step framework. And I just wanted to know, and I know that you've done all this extensive research and you've heard kind of everybody, Gary Vee, all these, you know, influencers give um, kind of their um, advice as to how to get there. But that fat, like what, what, what did you ever find out like that fat was, was it just things not pertaining to who you were or was it like a general? So, if you read, if you read over, t- if you, if you read over ten self development books, each of them has one theme and one topic. You know, for grit, it's about people who overcome adversity and use that adversity to do amazing things. Um, for the four hour work week, it's about how can I do more and and get more out of my time with with like fewer resources and spending less. You know um like each book has one specific theme so what i realized is like all of these books could have been half as long like they're 300 400 pages and and they could have got the point across in 150 250 pages but yet they a lot i I personally think that they feel the need to extend them and give 10 extra examples for each chapter and i'm like yo you you're hitler like what's the point Yep. You, you gave one you gave one strategy and 15 examples gave me more strategies and fewer examples so when i say like i cut out the fat i mean like it's legit seven strategies and each strategy could have been a book on its own but i didn't want to like go super super deep mm-hmm. because i i clearly outlined it and i'll give you guys a, like a run through of some of the, the chapters to give you guys a feel for it so it's a, a seven-step seven framework to achieve your goals. I think the first chapter is the most important chapter. Um, every, with, every, with, it, with studying every single successful person that I studied, I realized that they all are extremely um, knowledgeable of who they are, of who they are as an individual. And so I developed a, a, a strategy to, for people to implement, and it's called like developing your self-concepts. There are different concepts that make up who you are as an individual there's your past self there's your present self and there's your future self your potential so a lot of people think of like all right well they're self-aware if you like research what self-awareness means by you looking in the mirror after a drunk night you're self-aware if you're still able to figure out who that guy is in that mirror you're still self-aware, self-aware. when you lose self-aware that i'm a mess dude <laughs> But so, so like that term, I completely threw it out, like out the book. And I started off with that term and then I started researching. I'm like, self-awareness, we are all self-aware because we able to, we're able to acknowledge who we are as individuals. Okay. So that's out, that's out the picture. But this idea of self-concepts and, and deconstructing who you are as a person will, will do a lot more telling than just being like, oh, you're self-aware. What the hell does self-awareness mean? How do you become more self-aware? Like, how do you use self-awareness? Like nobody answers those questions. They just say like, so-and-so is so successful because they're so self-aware. All right, bullshit. So now in, that, in the first chapter of the book, I literally walk people through. It's like, all right, 
One part of your self-concept is your past self. Look at however long you've been on this earth. Look at all the different themes in your life. I have always been attracted to projects, sports, or activities that I can directly see my progress and growth. And I, that took that like two sentences took me hours and hours and hours of analyzing. You have to look at all the sports you played, the classes you liked, the classes you didn't like, the projects, your friends, uh, your family, things you were attracted to, like like little hobbies and activities. And then so you develop this like narrative around the person. So like for the past X amount of years of my life, I have been this person because of X, Y, and Z. Okay, what are some of the themes? Then you start to write it down. You like analyze yourself as if you're like a science experiment because you're like you you're you literally have to deconstruct it then you look at your present self what am i currently passionate about why am i passionate about it what makes me tick how do i operate efficiently how much sleep do i need what environments can i think creatively like all these questions i deconstruct how can i develop myself right now to be optimal in every area of my life and then you look at your future self based on your past self and everything that you've enjoyed you've hated uh, things you found interest in, your hobbies, all that stuff, your current self, like how you operate, uh, things that you're currently interested in, what you hate right now, what you love about your life, things you want to change, then where can you be in a couple of years, five years, 10 years, four years, two months, whatever, and why? And then like constantly asking these questions, why? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to work at LinkedIn? Why do you want to um, work into Why do you want to start a podcast? Why do you want to write a book? And then all of that research that you do on yourself, will help you fill in the blanks, you know? Yeah. So that's the first chapter of the book is is developing your self-concept and and truly understanding. Like if you don't understand if you can't answer those questions that I just mentioned right now, then you don't fully understand yourself yet. You don't really you're not like you're not optimizing for efficiency. You're not optimizing for happiness. You're not optimizing for like just your well being because you're because what I've what I've noticed is successful people do one thing that unsuccessful people don't and it's they they don't just follow the wave you know a lot of us get caught up in like this social media hype game we get caught up in like oh so and so got a new whip i gotta get a new so and so got a gucci bag i gotta get a gucci bag so and so got pregnant i want to get pregnant so and so did this this. so then we don't so then we don't even like we we end up being in a situation like why the hell do why the hell am i wanting to do this yeah i never wanted to I'm, I yeah. just got caught in the sauce, you know? Yeah. But if you take a minute to like stop and reflect, you're like, wait a minute. This ain't even aligned with what I, with who I am as a person. And then you start yeah. to deconstruct, oh, shit. Like, I just wasted X amount of time in my life doing this when I should have been like interested in this because this is what I'm passionate about, you know? And then the rest That's of the crazy. book is strategies. It's all yeah. just strategies, you know? You want to achieve your goal. You want to lose 100 pounds. You want to write a book. You want to work in tech. You want to do this. Here's what you got to do, but it starts with understanding yourself, your Absolutely. past self, and your future self. That's that's a really good point. Like you know, yeah. Sorry, no. Ellie, go ahead. <laughs> like I feel like I just went. That's to, just like, a taste. All you got is the first chapter too. Don't you even? <laughs> that's just the, that's, that's just the, first the first chapter. chapter yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy well, look, that you say that. Your, like after your question, that itself could have been a book, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And a lot of books are like that. It's like one good concept because what they do is they have. People that are great writers, like best-selling mm-hmm. authors, they want to be able to use one idea and one concept for each book so they can write multiple books. But I was Absolutely. like, fuck that. I want to write one. So like when I, when I talk to 
like black and latino youth like kids in high school and like college and people who aren't really like readers or like interested interested in self-development books yet they always ask me like dang that's cool that you like reading what's one book that you would recommend me reading and i'm like yo i would give i would recommend 20 books but if i yeah. tell you 20 you won't read any of them so one of my, what i wanted my book to do is like here just read this one Ooh, i like read this that. one book and it'll take you five hours on a sunday afternoon and when you're done reading that, it'll change your life. But it's not going to like, I'm not going to tell you, read this one book on habits, read this one book on schedules, read this one book about personality, read this one book on this. It's like, yeah. that's overwhelming for people who don't come from a background of like wanting to read. You know, that's, Absolutely. that's, that's overwhelming. Like, like also, like I, I can totally understand like what happens when you start to use so many different examples, as you mentioned, you kind of lose like sight of what the author is trying to tell you with your own interpretations of what you think it might mean. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I asked you the question of what does the fat mean? And I, I really think you hit the nail on it. That's a <laughs> really, really great, great way to, uh, great way to put it. Um, I mean, I actually, go ahead, go ahead, Ricky. Could, could I ask a question that I just really want to know the answer to, because I see you hustling out here, always just, you know, working on your book you're on a really tight schedule work work out at five in the morning which you know i'm on that same hype rising grind but damn you managed to keep it even during this quarantine which i'm like damn like this man was really about it like i i, I can't do it because i don't got a gym this man made his own gym at, at home you know and and what i really want to know is is how do you i know you got to have days where you're just like stress is just thrown at you either at work Life. either you know through mm -hmm. maybe family through like friends i don't know like we all have stressors yeah. in life you know but what i want to know is how do you manage to stay so productive even through all this stress even through what's going on in the world you know like mm -hmm. like sometimes just thinking about things like that just kind of like gets you down like and a lot of people say you know sometimes you know, just take a day off and like, you know, like everyone, you don't have to be grinding 24 seven, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll burn out. But bro, I see you out here and I'm like, this man doesn't burn out. <laughs> so, so I want to know what you do in order to stay so productive, stay on your grind, even when it's hard to do that. Yeah, it's a two part, two part answer. So to answer part of your question, yes, I do burn out. Yes, I do have off days. Like, uh, some days I just don't feel like working out. And if I truly don't feel like working out and I've worked out six days previously, then I'll take the day off. Listen to your body. Sometimes if I need to rest an extra hour, I usually sleep seven and a half hours. If I feel that that wasn't enough one night because I have stayed out late the night, uh, late the night, the night before, or I worked out too much or I had too much on my mind, too much stress then I'll sleep an extra hour. So like I do have my days too, but I've built such extremely tight habits, rituals, and routines, which is the second chapter of the book, the game changers, and uh, that they've become innate. So it's like my body only knows waking up and working out now, you know, versus conversely, people are like, my body only knows sleep and sleeping in. Like, yeah, it's a habit you build over time. The hard, the longer you do something, the harder it is to break it. But once you break it and you build, you build a new habit, then it becomes your new normal. So like now the days that I don't work out, I feel off. I feel like, yeah. like I feel off edge, you know, I feel like I'm not mentally as sharp. I'm not like, 
as happy. I'm not as relieved. I'm not as like tension free. Um, so that's part of the part of the answer. And then the other part is like, and not to be like, like, like super personal or super negative. But when I was growing up, I lost my dad growing up, like I was 12 years old, and I lost my dad. And then two years, three years after that, I lost my uncle, his older brother. And then that in combination with like a lot of other like shit that I've gone through in my life in terms of just like, my mom had me at 19, you know, like she went back to work two weeks after she had me. I grew up, my, my, my grandma uh, immigrated here from Mexico. She only has a second, second degree or second grade education, you know? So like she instilled the importance of education through me and like working hard. So it's like a combination of all these things, but the, the main one is like losing my dad at a really young age. Um, made me realize that life is really short and tomorrow is not guaranteed. So why would I waste my, my life and my time and my energy on negativity and things that are not going to make me happy or, or saying, I wish I would have done this. I wish I could have done that. It's like, why wish you're still here? Just try it, do it. Don't bitch about it. You know, because like, because then, then you like die one day and then what did you live for? You know? Shoulda, so, coulda, wouldas, right? Right. And then so like I just realized that at a younger age than most people do. I think most people probably realize it like in their 30s or something when they're having kids and they realize that they don't have as much time as they did back when they were 20, you know? So I realized that at 12, 13, and then I was just like every every year it just kept like compounding. I started like learning from other people, learning through older people specifically, learning through their experiences. And then the, the the recurring theme through all of them, especially like learning from my grandparents and both my grandmas was like, work really hard, enjoy your life. Like, don't waste it. Don't waste your time on nonsense. Um, and I, I feel like as kids growing up, we, we hear this stuff all the time, but we don't listen all the time because we're like, oh, you're nagging at me. But when something that traumatic happens in your life, you're forced to listen because you're slapped with it in the face, you know? So then then now i'm at like 27 years old and now i'm like i've i've optimized it i've used it as a superpower instead of something that like makes me sad or angry or depressed it's like what's the good that's going to come out of the situation and then yeah. not that now that's how i live my life honestly it's like even if it's a bad situation there's something good going to come out of it i learned something you know i, I learned from the failure and again that's all the cheesy quote stuff that you see all the time but it's like true if you can find the good out of any bad then you're set for life. Hey, I, the way I see it, it's only a cheese quote if you don't apply it. And <laughs> I can tell you, I, I, I see and I hear it, it's absolutely applied. So um, no cheesiness on, on those quotes there from you, sir. <laughs> Yo, honestly, next title of your book, real ass ish, bro. That was some real, real, real ish right there, dude. I love it. Much respect. Um, I have a question. I have, I have another question I kind of want to ask. And I know, from a, like a productivity standpoint, you think that's something that's you're born with, or is that is that something nah, you're taught? It's not. It's a, it's not. It's a it's a definitely a learned trait. Um, it's you're not born with that for sure. Uh, and like I I wasn't always this productive. Like the fa I think I was molded to be like this. I started playing like baseball when I was like in third grade. Then I played basketball in middle school, but my mom made sure that I had to do good, do well in school, so like I had to study extra. So you kind of like learn the hard way in, in a sense. Um, and then like in high school is when I really, really had to like optimize it because I was living in Riverside, but I had to drive at 5 a.m. to get to school so I could make it to, so to swim practice. And then I had soccer practice after school. 
Then sometimes I would go to ASB events and then drive home at like 6 p.m., get home at 7, do homework, eat dinner, and then go to sleep and do it again. So it's like you learn over time, and it's really difficult at the beginning, just like anything else. You're trying to like optimize your routine, but you have a bad habit of checking Instagram every 10 minutes. You're trying to like... You're trying to like wake up, get out of your bed and go do something, but you're, you wake up and you hit snooze 20 times and then you hop on Twitter, you know? So it's like, we all have bad habits, but it's a matter of recognizing them and then figuring out what direction you want to go in and what you got to cut out, what you got to use, what tools you got to use. You got to build schedules. You got to like use productivity apps, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, you're definitely not like born with it. I mean, I mean, maybe if you're born into like a really productive and and schedule fam scheduled family then you learn at a younger age but i don't think that's something you're born with yeah very true nice i have a question for you ish yeah what's first going of on? all thank you for doing this show with us <laughs> um um how do you want the people to remember you uh, i want people to remember me as somebody who always tried to help others um specifically help others be more, not necessarily more productive, but help others achieve more. You know, that's if you look at everything that I've done in my life, and you know me specifically from UC Merced, so you know yes, how sir. involved I was. I'll start with uh, I'll start with UC Merced then, because I don't want to go all the way back. But if you look at UC Merced, the activities and the stuff that I was a part of, I started a council for twenty nine cultural clubs on campus to unite and share resources. When you think of Latinos Associated Students, Black Student Union, all the cultural clubs, they were, I noticed that they were all like doing their own thing and they could be more powerful together and they could achieve more together. They could share their, their parties and events and clubs and, and activities so that they all became more successful. So like that was one thing. I did student events and activities and did the concerts for UC Merced because I wanted um, people's college experience to be more fun and more engaging and more memorable. Um, I started working at LinkedIn because I wanted to be able to impact and reach people at scale. You know, I started the podcast because I wanted to inform people and help them achieve their goals and help them be better. I'm writing this book to help people of color specifically achieve their goals and show them that, yo, just because I, go, I come from this neighborhood or this background or this culture doesn't mean that I can't do it. This kid did it. This ish guy did it from East LA. There's no reason why I can't. And he's showing me how to do it in the book, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Everything I do is aligned with that. It's like, how can I help people achieve more, whether that's their goals or whether that's just being like a better version of themselves? Yeah. Just trying to figure out how to do it. And, yeah. I think that's good. And I think with your platform, you know, you're definitely in a position to do so. And at you know, at the end of the day, that's what really is all about is how many, how much, how many people you can help, you know, yeah, how many exactly. lives you can impact. Exactly. Man. Yeah, that's, that's good. Dope. I know we went a little bit past our, our, our time. So just, <laughs> okay. uh, just want to put it out. Does anyone have any last minute questions before we move on to our last segment? Uh, no, I mean, I think, uh, I think we got it right. How successful people get ish done. June 9th, that's the date. Yeah. Pre-orders out right now. So, you know what I mean? Hey, I'll be there reading. I hope everybody else is out there, you know, definitely hearing from somebody that, you know, is with us and, and has been through it. So, yeah, on that, thank you for being here, man. We we, we do have our last segment, of course, which is yeah, come getting on, into some, some wise words. Yes, and, sir. And I would love to, I would love to get some 
some final wise words from Ish for getting Ish done. What would you have to tell the people? Wise words for getting something done or wise words just in general to live life by? Wise words in general, man. Just what do you want the people to know? Um, uh, This will be a little bit timely. So I know that the world is in an extremely, especially America, is in, a, in an extremely dark place right now. There's a lot of craziness that's happening. People being oppressed. There's racial inequality. Then you have coronavirus on top of all of that. So I would say like the, the message that I would hopefully want people to take away is like, how can we help build each other up? And that's a message that even after this is all over, after coronavirus is done, you can still use that and apply it. It's like, how can I use your platform? How can I use my reach, my network, whatever it is that you have, how can I use it to help other people? Because at the end of the day, like you said, if there's any way that you can help somebody else, that feeling is like the, one of the best things in the world. Um, and it pays dividends forever. Like when you help somebody out, they won't forget that. Um, and, and we're stronger, like as a group than you are alone and by yourself, you can get a lot more done. You can reach a lot more people. You can have more impact. Um, so I guess that, that would be the, the key message. And, uh, the, the second one is, I guess, aligned with the book is you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. Like. I have used every single strategy that I've written in the book in my life to achieve everything that I've achieved. And like, it's not to say that I'm this like super successful guy, but given my background and where I've come from, the odds are stacked against me. I shouldn't be working at LinkedIn. I shouldn't be working at Snap. I shouldn't have gone to college. I should not have an Audi. Like the car that I have, that I have right now, when I was 16 years old, I told my cousin, I was like, yo, I'm going to buy a sick ass Audi one day, just like our cousin Rudy. And then he was like, damn, that's going to be sick one day. You know, you're going to have to be rich to get one of those Audis. Back then when you're 16, you're like, that seems so far. But then like the older you get and like the more thought you put into it, the more strategy, the planning, you start to realize, oh, snap, it is actually possible to do this, you know? But you got to like start with the plan. You got to figure out what you want, who you are, all of these different things. Um, but I, I guess for, for people of color and underrepresented groups, we're always told that you can't do something. And then it's more difficult to, to realize that you can because the people in those positions, in my case, like authors, there aren't that many Latino authors that are doing well in the self-development space. So how is it, how is it like encouraging for me to, to like see, I can't see somebody that's like me in, that, in those positions, you know? Um, but if you really like put a plan together, you can do it. Love it. You heard it here. The great and powerful Ish Verduzco, Getting Ish Done, coming out on June 9th. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. This was fun, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Hey, definitely, man. We'd love to have you. And on that, get his book, pre-order. It's going to be awesome. Get Ish Done. Thank you so much for joining us, and we are out. Hey there, thanks again for listening to this episode of Down in the Basement Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. And uh, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at We the Basement. Interact with us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Until then, see you next week.